So on today's show, uh, I'm fortunate enough to be blessed and have the presence of Dan Nacarado. We call him Coach Knack. He has done more for sports and baseball in general and all sports. He's still he's an announcer. He's a business professor. He used to work in the corporate world. He's done a little bit of everything throughout his entire life. Uh, everything that he's done, he's been successful at. It speaks volumes of his personality, of his mindset. The things that we try to teach kids on a daily basis has taken him a long time to probably refine, and we're going to dig into that today. So, uh, Coach Knack, Dan, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for being on the show. Good to be with you, Andy, and I'll tell you what, you're very kind. You're giving me way too much credit. I'm just fortunate to be around a lot of good people here in the center of the garden spot of the universe, also known as Hutchinson, Kansas, USA. And for those of, the, of you that don't know me, uh, I'm from Haven, Kansas, which is right outside of Hutchinson, Kansas, but that's pretty much the basis of a lot of my learning at a young age. The reason I, I was able to develop, and like I'll tell anybody, I was extremely, extremely lucky and fortunate to be raised the way I was around the mentors that I had. They never put pressure on me. They let me go out and play. They let me enjoy the game for what the game should be. And I see a lot of, of uh, young athletes now that don't have that opportunity, and it's sad to me. Your parents are uh, – you were blessed with the best parents ever. Wonderful people and good family. I remember trying to talk your sister into coming when I was uh, director of human resources for a division of the Kroger company. I remember putting the hard sell on her to try to bring her on board into our management team. But she had other opportunities and went a different direction with her life. Yeah, and just just you being able to see, okay – these kids are coming from a place, from a home that's, that's going to produce a, sex, a successful human being, I think is big. I think what a lot of parents don't realize is the influence they have on their kids, the influence they have on their relationships with other people, uh, their attitude towards life. You raised two collegiate athletes in your home. Uh, you were two for two, which is a very impressive major. Uh, most people wish that they had that. So what, what did that picture look like as, as you were raising your two kids? We were very lucky that our son, Luke, and our daughter, Kylie, were always willing to do what it took. They kind of bought into our family philosophy forever has been the best way to have fun at anything is to get better at it. And sometimes early on, the results aren't very good. But as long as you're trying to develop into doing things the right way, eventually it comes around. Let's face it. Nobody is born with the ability to hit a baseball. Nobody is born with the ability to make a basket. Nobody is born with the ability to run at full speed and catch football over their shoulder. You have to work at those skills. And while you're working at it, a lot of times you don't have very much success. So for anyone who is a parent coaching a son or daughter, I guess my main piece of advice is always encourage them to do things the right way and praise them for making the attempt, even if the results don't look that good. Eventually, if they stick with it, it'll come around. But the quickest way to shut a young person down is to either belittle them or make fun of them or uh, plant the seed in their head that maybe they're not going to be able to get it done. 
then they don't want to have anything to do with that sport anymore. So as long as you stay positive and teach people how to do things the right way, when they repeat it and they work at it, eventually they get pretty good at it. Yeah, I'm a huge believer in that. That's something that I teach in uh, with Get Your Game Right. One of the biggest philosophies I think that a, a, a coach or a, a player, anybody could take away from this stuff is you have to learn to have joy and attached to the process. The process for me, I've always been a very challenge driven guy. And I loved how you said, you know, going after uh, what they're trying to accomplish. The fun in it is the challenge of it. Getting better on a daily basis. That's your challenge. If you can go at it with that mindset, the sky's the limit. That's exactly right. It, it has to be a worthy endeavor, and I don't know of very many worthy endeavors that don't entail a little bit of sacrifice and a little bit of work. Things that are super easy usually don't give you that much satisfaction, but things that are difficult and you stay with it and ultimately hopefully master it to some degree, although it's a sport of baseball, is a case study in how to deal with failure and, and things just don't always go the way you want them to go. You have to accept responsibility for it and move on. And I, I've always felt like there's a reason that on a car, the windshield is a lot bigger than the rear view mirror. You just got to keep looking forward. And the next play is the most important play. The next pitch is the most important pitch. And that's, that's extremely hard for, for people to grasp. It's hard for, for dads to grasp, moms to grasp, players to grasp, that you have to keep moving forward because emotion plays a big role in our life, whether we like it or not. The emotions that we feel on a daily basis are okay. We're all going to have struggles in life. We're all going to have times where baseball is a, a, a game. If you play it long enough, at some point, and I'll say this time and time again, it will make you want to curl up in a little ball by yourself in a dark room and cry. Even grown men, grown men have those feelings, those emotions. How do we, how do we get overcome those emotions to keep moving forward with the process? Like you said, look out the, the, the front of the window as opposed to the back. Give me a little insight on, on what that might look like for a young player or a coach or anybody who's trying to succeed at something in life, when that failure does come and you want to curl up and you feel depressed, what's the next step from there? Well, you have to, first of all, whether you're shooting a free throw or whether you're catching a baseball or, or whether you're making a block in football, to me, the first most important step is to believe in yourself that you can get it done. And sometimes that belief gets a little bit shaken if you didn't have success the last few attempts. But every single time is a fresh opportunity. One way or another, you have to zero in on what's happening now because the past is something none of us can change. So you just have to let it go and move forward. And I think from a coaching perspective, sometimes coaches have to really work hard at reminding players, hey, Let's let's move on. What's what's coming up next is the most important thing to focus on right now. What are we going to do? Yeah. Attaching yourself to that mindset. It's easier said than done. We all know that. I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, like with what I teach is here is here's some solid ways to do that. For me, 
when somebody's really struggling, your focus is off. You know, you, you have a skill, you try to master a skill to uh, basically take care of a task that leads to result, right? So your skill is going to lead you to a task that you want to complete with the skill that you have and then go down and the end result's going to be a combination of that skill and whatever that task was. Now, the missing link, this is where I think a lot of people go wrong, Dan. It's when the, the task and the skill, that little misnomer in, in there is focus. Where is your focus? What are you thinking about? What are you doing to try to accomplish that task with the skill that you actually have? And, and sometimes baseball players try to do things that are a little bit outside of their skill set too often. Maybe you've uh, got a player that is a contact hitter and can hit for average and get on base, but they get enamored with, with trying to hit it out of the park <laughs> and they just overswing and they start focusing on, Oh gosh, I hope I don't strike out. And once they do that, they're at bat is lost. Gone. And that's, that's the belief factor understanding your skill set, understanding what you're good at, understanding your role are all intricate parts of being a really good player at any level. Well, you know, the beauty of sports is there are so many things that are parallel to your life in business or your job or your family or, or you name it. But when we have a weakness, we really only have two choices about what to do about it. We can either attack it, get better, work at it, and improve so improvement is one way to deal with it but there is another way to deal with it hide it mm -hmm. hey i remember some uh, little league summer baseball games where for one reason or another we were going to start a catcher who couldn't throw the ball to second base but we certainly didn't want our opposing our, our opponents to know that so before we'd take infield i would just tell the catcher under no circumstances are you going to throw the ball to second base I don't care if you act like you fumbled it coming out of your glove. I don't care how we do it, but just hand the ball back to the pitcher and, uh, and get after it because once the opponent finds out that you can't throw it to second base, we're not going to change that in the five minutes we have before this game starts. So if we can't improve it for this game today, let's hide it. But you know what? The reason you're behind the plate is because you are a great backstop. Nothing ever gets past you. You are great at framing pitches. You are great at working with that pitcher and having a great positive relationship. You are a terrific hitter, and you're going to get on base. So let's focus on the things that you're really good at. I love that to its core. Because on a daily basis, we're going to find ourselves, uh, pitchers, hitters, whoever, in the game of baseball or in the game of life, whatever it is, Certain days we're going to bring different skills to the table that our skills set is kind of what it is. We're going to refine it and work at it. Doug Marabelli, who was a, a big league player, he played at Wichita State too. He, he gave a speech one time. And I remember this for whatever reason, you know how certain things stick with you. He told the whole crowd of people sitting there watching, I think it was a first pitch banquet at a Wichita State event or something. He told them, his key to success was not uh, getting overexposed. He knew that he had weaknesses, but he could hide them to an extent and still make it to the, to the level he did, right? It's not like we have to be perfect. And I think a lot of the kids now, 
a lot of parents want perfection from their kids. They strive for their kids to be better at them than everything that they were good at, right? Whatever it was, they want their kids to be the best on the field, regardless if the other, if little Johnny's over there hitting home runs, they want their son, Timmy, to hit home runs like him. But let's look at what's the real skill set they have. Let's be honest about it. Like you said, that, that encouragement, that catcher went back there and probably caught an amazing game. He wasn't so focused on people drilling him on he can't throw the ball to second. He was worried about what he could do that day to help the team. And there's kids in basketball. They're working on developing their weak hand, but they're not quite there yet. They have no confidence in going in and making a left-handed layup if they're a right-handed player. So before the game, it's like, hey, you're doing a lot of things terrific. Man, the way you're getting in a stance and defending, the way you are distributing the basketball, the way you're uh, working on your shot and making baskets, that's fantastic. For this game, you get a breakaway layup on that left side, come to a jump stop and just shoot it with your right hand, and that'll be fine. And then we'll get back to working on your left-handed layups in practice tomorrow. And, you know, it's just another example of, of building on people's strengths and putting them in positions where they have a better opportunity to be successful. Amazingly put. So what basically what your, your ideas are and focus is on how do we make what you're doing today successful? That's and right. that's something on a daily basis in baseball – we get away from that. We detach from what's made us successful. Why are we where we're, we're at? Or how do we get to where we want to go the most efficient way possible? And a lot of guys, it's, I need to get better at this. If I don't, I'm screwed, which isn't true at all. Pitchers velocity, be the velocity, best example. Some days a pitcher's the uh, breaking ball just isn't there, but they're throwing a great velocity and locating their fastball. But sometimes pitchers get in their heads that, well, I got to I got to throw a certain percentage of off speed pitches. Hey, if your fastball is working today, let's go with it. and We'll fix your curveball tomorrow. And I'm a as a hitter, I absolutely love that pitchers always second guess themselves. They know the pitch that's working for them, but they think because in the dugout, somebody's sitting over there needs to uh they, they need to show them that i'm throwing x amount of breaking balls based on this count and you know, they fall into patterns it's so simple to see pitchers that fall into patterns and the funny thing is i've most of my big hits that i've ever got was because the pitcher was going with something that he knew in his heart he shouldn't have thrown the catcher on that day was just putting out a number the pitcher though could have shook it off whatever it was or the coach is calling the pitches and is like, well, based on these statistics, uh, we need to throw this guy the slider right here. When the pitcher is the one that's filling it out and knows what's going on. And that's what I go back and back and back and back to. How do you become an independent ball player who understands your game, understands what you're good at, understands where you need to go on a daily basis? You shouldn't completely depend on other people to tell you what to do. It takes time. For young kids, you got to learn learn the skills of the game. You got to learn the different stuff. But you hit certain levels to where what we're trying to do is whatever coach that you have. Because I was super lucky and had great coaches for my 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 skill set and my my knowledge at the time. Not everybody's that fortunate. But what I'm trying to do is give them a, a little kind of a, a boost, a pat on the butt to say, be really respectful for what he's telling you. But if it doesn't apply to your game 
to a point, maybe we need to uh, concentrate on your strengths, just like what you're saying. Yeah, I think that during a game, the thing a coach can get on a player about that's fair game is if they're not putting out an honest effort. But if the player's putting out effort, nobody strikes out on purpose. Nobody muffs a fly ball on purpose. Nobody makes a bad throw on purpose. If the effort is there, just just continue to be encouraging. And if the effort's not there, the best way of dealing with it is, hey, you're sitting the next inning. We're going to put somebody in that wants to play. And that that always – I think that is one of the biggest things you can do for a kid, especially if they have that attitude of, you know, I think I'm, I'm really good. I'm not producing whatever it is. And you can, you can tell by their face, their attitude, whatever it is, they're just not there that day. If you set them down, it lights a fire under them. Well, that's actions speak much louder than words. And sometimes that's the only way to get a player's attention to let them know that you're serious about them bringing an honest effort to each and every practice. And, and every day is an opportunity to get better. What, what a great way to approach life. Yeah, and being coachable is huge. I think, and I talk, I talk a lot about learning how to learn. It's a skill to be able to learn, right? We're not just inherently good learners all the time. You have to dissect what somebody's saying and really concentrate and focus on that person who has more experience than you, who's been there, who's done that, whoever it is, and really think about it at a level that how can I take what they're saying and implement it into my game, my coaching strategy, whatever it is. I think a lot of people get away from that. And I always go back to the example of uh, a, a big league pitcher could go into a pitching camp. This is how you hold a slider. 90% of the guys have already shut down because they already know how to throw a slider. I know that. Why are you teaching me that? What they missed out on was he just showed you how to finish a pitch out in front. Something like that, right? So you're missing the big focal point of what this guy's going to teach you by already thinking you know it. That's an excellent point, Andy. Every time a coach asks a player to do something different, the player oftentimes thinks, he hates me. He doesn't know how good I am. He doesn't appreciate me. When in fact, as a player, you really have to take the attitude of, hey, this guy is coaching me out of love. He wants me to get better, especially at little league levels and youth sports. Coaches aren't doing it for any kind of compensation other than the fact that it's very gratifying to help somebody get better. So as, as long as players can keep the attitude, whenever a coach says anything to a player, the player has to remember, hey, that coach is doing this out of love and I'm going to take it that way. It's not that the coach thinks I'm hopeless or doesn't appreciate how good I am. And what I'll tell any kid out there who thinks their little league coach isn't apt or, a, or even a coach who thinks another coach that's coaching their kids or a dad, whoever. I have seen, once you get to a certain point, like when I was in the big leagues, you either produce or you're gone. The cool thing about when you're younger and everybody wants to throw the, the politics out there. They want to throw, you know, well, it's all politics. It's all this and that. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's something a little deeper than that. Maybe it's a different meaning. Maybe it's it's just the kid going out there 
and and thinking that the world's against him when really his mindset should be how do I learn like you said before how to be a better player today well I haven't always been very good at taking the right approach but I really would like to see every coach treat every player as if that player is their only player if that makes sense and you put the amount of time and effort that each player needs to help them get better and you sometimes it's just a matter of being patient and being encouraging but even though I've fallen short many many times throughout my life I would aspire to to behaving like a coach who treats every player as if that's my only player. And that's, that's, that, that's showing them the same value. Thing, the same thing could be said in business. If Andy, uh, you're doing a great job in real estate now. If you treat every client as if they're your only client, they're going to be pretty happy. And that's something we strive for on a daily basis. That's actually like the number one cue item that we have on a daily basis. How do we make them feel like the only client we have that day? And is it always achievable? Of course not. But if you're striving for it, you're aware of it. You're trying harder to go that direction. That's right. You're going the right direction. That's the key. And if I could shift gears just briefly, we've been talking about coaches and players. Could we talk about parents for just a second? Of course. That's where your your strong suit's going to be, probably. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Uh, Luke and Kylie might tell you a lot of examples of where I've gone off track on that. Yeah. But they they were great kids. They made it easy to be a good parent, and their mother, Jean, did a great job raising them. But I really have come to the belief that unless you are the coach or unless your son or daughter specifically asks you for input about how they're playing – the only thing a parent should ever say to a player is, I enjoyed watching you today. Look forward to seeing you play again. And that's the right role for a parent to take once they've turned their son or daughter over to a coach. No doubt. Let them learn how to respect people. Let them learn that that coach is there for you. You see it so many times. And like I say, Time and time again, I was so lucky. My parents were that way, 100%. Oh, absolutely. They never, they never questioned what a coach said. They never questioned what I was doing. Even if, if, if I went to my dad and said, you know, well, I'm having an issue. I'm kind of afraid of the baseball, which was something that I, I when I was young, was an issue for me. Which I think a lot of kids would be like a big league player should should have never been afraid of the baseball at a young age. Well, I was right. Like when, when I was hitting and a left-handed pitcher was on the mound, I thought he was throwing it at my head and then it would end up being in the strike zone. So my dad, he was a lefty. And I said, he's like, you know, the only thing, and he never said anything. He always said, all they cared about was I put out effort when we went to the games, you run hard to first base, you play the outfield the way you should play it. Everything that you do, you should play and do the to the best of your ability. I was stepping out big time. We faced a lefty when I was 12 years old and I was stepping out big time. And my dad was a left-handed pitcher or left-handed thrower. You know, he pitched in high school a little bit, whatever he went. And I said, he said, yeah, it looks like you're a little timid against him. And I said, dad, I'm afraid of the ball against that guy. 
And he said, okay, not a big deal. He didn't demean me for being a, a weenie. You know, he didn't say, oh, well, you need to just man up. No, he said, oh, not a big deal. That's common. How about we go out in the yard? And he just threw me ball after ball and said, just you have to trust that they're going to throw it where you can hit it. And that was one of the biggest keys of me hitting left-handed pitching. And obviously, throughout my career, I hit left-handed pitching pretty good. Without that, that one thing, if he would have said, you, you just need a man up, do you think I would have ever got better at it? That is a classic example of the right way to help your son through – and it's also revealing about the faith and trust you had in your relationship with your dad that you were willing to tell him that you had a fear of the baseball. The truth is almost every player does. Yeah. I remember playing catch with my brother and I was, I was the catcher. He was six years older than me and I had a catch for him when he was pitching. It was scary. Like it was scary. I was back there just trying to save my life, <laughs> but I didn't want to say anything. But then I got to a point, like just with the left-handed uh, pitcher thing, we I'd faced all righties my whole life pretty much up to that point. Like we just got into kid pitch. All the dads who did coach pitch were right-handed. It was like my first time facing left-handed pitcher. This kid was like 12 years old with a mustache and throwing like 70, <laughs> you know, to scare anybody, right? And I'm just stepping out, and, and uh, that was the only time in my whole career that uh, my dad, he said, you know, it looks like you're just kind of stepping out against the lefty. And I said, dad, I'm just scared of it. I'm scared that ball hit me in the face, you know? And I was even scared. I remember being young when my brother would play catch with me that the ball was going to hit me. And then it would be, well, you just got to trust your glove. Okay. Oh, yeah, I trust my glove to an extent, but he's six years older than me and throwing it as hard as he can. You Pretty know? strong guy too. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but the cool thing was, is it was never, you're not tough enough. You're not bad enough. You're not man enough. It was, okay, yeah, that's, that's an issue you have. Let's see how we can resolve that. That's a wonderful way of dealing with it. Another technique that a parent can use if, if uh, the player brings up an issue. It's, let's say the player asks, well, how did you think I did today? A lot of times a great response is, well, how do you feel like you did today? And just see what they say and yeah. then go with it from there. Yeah. De deflect it back to them. If, if they ask the question, usually it's because something's on their mind. E either they're wanting some reinforcement and some approval from somebody that they admire and respect, or they, they feel like they're struggling, but try to get a little bit more detail before you just, jump right into an answer. And I'm, I'm a, I, I always, my whole career was very skeptical about where I got positive reinforcement from because I, I found it very fleeting from most people. Like most people will tell you you're really, really good and you're doing the, the everything perfect when you're the prospect or you're doing things the right way or whatever. And they think they have, there's some value there for them to advance the people that I always admire and, and look to are the people who, regardless of your circumstance, they're just doing it because they love you or they're doing it because they want to see you succeed. Very true. And, you know, fans, the fans like baseball, once I got to the big leagues, there was, I had haters. I had people that loved me. It, 
you, you just, it's very rare to find, and the people that you can attach to that really have your best interest in mind, and it can be a coach, it can be a grandpa, it can be a dad, it can be a mom, it can be a sister, it can be a brother, it can be a lot of different people. But when you see that, that genuine, like, they want you to do good, that's something you need to attach to. You need to attach to that because you know that that's, that's kind of your, uh, your meter of when you're successful or you're going bad, they'll let you, they'll, they'll be a little more honest with you, I think, as a whole, the right way. Well, they've built up that trust that when they tell you the truth, you, you know they love you. You, you know that uh, they're not saying they don't feel like you're, you're worth anything as a human being. Uh, you know, another aspect that throughout all aspects of life, sometimes we confuse who we are with what we do. All of us do that from time yeah. to time. The truth is, Andy Dirks, you're an amazing human being who also happens to be an outstanding athlete. And if you take the sport away you had back surgeries, you had problems with your Achilles, you had injuries throughout your career. You're still the same good person. It's just that now you're going to go in a different direction. No doubt. And this, all the stuff, all the stuff that I had learned uh, throughout my playing career, it's no different in, in business. It's all exactly and that's, the same, especially in the United States of America. It's competition. We're competing yeah. for clients. We're competing for good people to come join our organization, just like in sports where you're competing for wins against your opponents, and you're also competing to get the best people on your team. Every day, every day, like you said before, we should strive to get better. What's that look like on a daily basis, though? You know, Oh, that is the great question because – Again, none of us are born with skills to be a successful high-caliber athlete. We have to work at them. And you just have to do everything in your power to convince people to embrace that process. I figured out one time coaching football that you probably put in about 100 hours for every second that you're actually competing during a football game. But if you didn't do all that time in the weight room and you didn't do all your technique on blocking and tackling and different skills, you wouldn't be ready when that opportunity comes on Friday night if you're in high school or on Saturday if you're in college or on Sunday if you're in the NFL. So you just have to sometimes keep reminding yourself, I'm doing this for a reason because the best way to have fun is to get better. And the only way I'm going to get better is to make sure that I work at it every single day. I love that mindset. Enjoying the process, enjoying the process. And that's one of those things. You're willing to do that if you enjoy the process. Sometimes it helps if you have a couple of buddies. Yeah. You look forward. A, A lot of things in life, it doesn't really matter so much what activity you're engaged in, as long as you enjoy the company of the people around you. So if you can find some people that you like being around, suddenly working to get better becomes a lot more fun. No doubt. And then that's kind of what I found with my buddies. It was always kind of a competition within itself, within your buddies. Yeah, you push each other. Yeah, everybody pushes each other to get a little better on a daily basis. 
and it kind of keeps you uh, uh, accountable for what you're doing on that day. Because if your buddy's doing it, and I was, I was always big about that with a football team, uh, with our baseball teams, you're going to have guys who kind of naturally stand out to become leaders because what they want to do is not only strive to make themselves better, but find ways to make other guys better. Particularly in baseball where, let's face it, you're, you're playing in a baseball game, you might go four innings before you ever touch the baseball during actual play. And yeah. maybe you're only going to get four at bats. So you got to make every opportunity count. And the only way I know to have the mindset to where you believe you're going to be successful is if you've put in the time and effort to prepare yourself. No doubt. So what environment, so this is big. This is, I think this is something that we're, I'm just now uh, getting on. It's called, you know, it's the environment for a kid to be in, to be successful. Right. So what kind of environment should a parent or a kid look uh, look at to be successful with what they want to do? Because we're we're a product of our environment as much as we like to think we are or not. We kind of are. Right. That's true. You know, I think it gets back to being around people that are going to be supportive. And there can be that competition level between friends where you're pushing to make each other better. And then you got to be willing to celebrate each other's success. Uh, sometimes, have you watched Last Chance You by any chance? I haven't yet. On Netflix, uh, it's a it's a very real picture of junior college football. Now the guys are only going to be there for two years, and with football, none of them grew up wanting to go play junior college football. They want to go to NCAA Division One. They all want to go to the NFL. Truth is, only one out of 3,400 seniors in high school are going to ever advance to get the opportunity to be with a team that plays on Sunday. One yeah. out of 3,400. Baseball, the odds are even longer. One out of 6,600 guys that play baseball as a senior in high school will ever make it to a big league roster. So it, it's a long shot. So when you watch Last Chance You you'll see a lot of guys focused in on, I want to get mine. If I'm not getting my carries, if I'm not getting my opportunities, I hope the team fails. You can see it in their body language. You can see it in their facial expressions. So you want to be in an environment where everybody's happy about each other's success. Because the truth is, when you're on a team, every single one of you represents all of you. And if they're wearing the same color jersey you're wearing and they're doing well, you got to feel good about it. And then you just got to keep working at getting better yourself. So you're the one making those contributions. And contributions. So that's, that's another, another factor, right? So what oh, is a contribution? Best way to feel good about yourself is you let everybody know through your actions that you can count on me. And that's when a championship team really gets made. When everybody on the team feels like I can count on you, you can count on me. And when I get the opportunity, I'm going to give you the right effort and I'm going to come through. So the Great. team aspect, the team aspect is extremely important, right? Certainly for team sports. Now, if you're a golfer or if you're a track athlete, then it gets into competing against yourself and trying to get a little bit better every day. But certainly on team sports, 
it, it can be an atmosphere that certainly makes you want to get better and makes you more willing to do the things you need to do to get better. And I think baseball, baseball is kind of the only sport that's kind of a combination of the two. All eyes are on you when you're up to bat. All eyes are on you when that ball is hit to you. But, but there's still a task that you need to accomplish. If there's a runner at second base and nobody out, you have a task to get that runner to third base to let the guy behind you hit, hit the fly ball, the outfield to score. That's a great example. And I also want to know that every player on the field is aware of the situation. When we're on defense, when we're playing in the field, I want to know which base am I throwing to. I want to know if I'm up by four runs, I don't have to try to make the spectacular play to save a run. I can let them score a run in exchange for an out. So everybody's got to understand the situation. I think uh, situational awareness is so off the beaten path now. Because I got, I had guys in the big leagues. I played with guys in the big leagues who didn't even have an understanding of situational awareness. Every single time that there's somebody on base, whatever position you're at, you should already know, depending on where the ball's hit, what you're going to do with the baseball. Absolutely. Or, or know where. So, say I'm playing left field. There's a runner at first base. A ball's hit to right field. A single through the hole, whatever, to right field. What's the left fielder need to be doing? Backing up third base. Run your run your butt over there and back up third base. How often do you see pitchers give up a hit? Their head falls down and they forget to back up third or they forget to back up home and then somebody gets an extra base. And that's where me – one of the reasons Jim Leland liked me was because I did it only one, one play out of a million – one play out of a uh, uh, out of probably five hundred, say the base hit through the right side, the right fielder uh, overthrows the third baseman. The pitcher is not apt to catch a baseball in the big leagues a lot of times. Like they're not as quite as athletic. Some of them are, but for the most part, I knew if I was over there, I saved a run in the big leagues one time because that exact situation happened. The right fielder overthrew the third baseman. I was right there behind the third baseman and everybody's like what in the world like why how is he there the same way so this is going back to Derek Jeter in the playoffs he he was the relay man he made himself the relay man because he saw where the throw was going and he was in the right place at the right time some people say that's luck I think it's understanding the game enough constantly doing the right thing over and over and over again. When those times do happen, they get overlooked. But the guys who really, really care don't overlook those. It gets back to I can count on you, you can count on me. That's how champions are made. And that's, that's, that's what I always loved about watching you play. I remember a, a, a play when you were representing Hutchinson Community College at the regional series for an opportunity to go to the world series for junior college baseball. I can't remember whether you hit a double or you stole second base, but you were on second base and the third baseman for the other team walked the ball back to the pitcher's mound. Do you remember this play? <laughs> Not off the top of my head. But See, it I did all sorts of weird stuff. I did, I did all the weird stuff. You, yeah. apparently. But yeah. 
as soon as you you were at second base, as soon as you saw that third baseman walking the ball to the mound, you immediately bolted for third, and now you're on third base. Yeah, and it was a great play. It was just a heads up type of competitor that you've always been. And that, you know, if I if I was always trying to find an advantage, I knew my advantage wasn't my talent. My talent was good. I was a good baseball player. I had I had some skills, but if you look at my 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 scorecard from a scout, decent runner, you know, pretty good runner for an outfielder, uh, below average arm to, to uh, average arm, depending on the day. Uh, he could hit for a little bit of contact. Power was bad. This and that. Like every scout that I ever talked to, just wanted to hate on me. <laughs> they and were probably wanting you to take a lower a lower pay contract. Well, when so when the scouts came to me, I told them I wanted a million bucks. And they're like, what? They asked me what I wanted. What do you mean? What do I want? I want a million bucks. But at the end of the day, I got I, I was lucky enough to have the opportunities that I had and had the mentors and the organization was uh, uh, supportive of me. But the reason my organization was supportive of me is because on a daily basis, Every single day, they knew what they were going to get. You never got an Andy Dirks that you didn't know what you were going to get that day. When you I went, the when they put, when they put me in the game, I was going to play defense like a mad dog. I would run the bases. Did I get three hits every day? Of course not. But some days, did I hit? Of course. You know, like uh, I think it's categorized as. Andy Dirks, the ball player, was kind of what it what it came down to. They saw my value as a baseball player over my tool set. Your tool set's pretty doggone impressive, and also all of those. Well, other compared compared to, compared to a high school kid or a college kid, but remember this: I went when I went to college. The first time I went to college, I was splitting time with Lindy Ray in right field. Both of you guys were pretty amazing athletes. We were both very good athletes. I refined my game at a different level. When I went to Wichita State, I wasn't the starting center fielder. When I went to uh, play for the Tigers, I wasn't the starting outfielder, like in the minor leagues. I went to double-A. I split time. I went to, I had to prove myself. And I think when you do that, you acquire certain skills and mental abilities and different things that other guys don't have to, that just had the talent to make it. Am I saying I wasn't talented? Of course not. I have, I was like a, a star, a good football player, a good basketball player. I was good at a lot of stuff physically wise, but mentally is where I really separated myself from guys who could hit the ball further, throw it harder. Now they get into analytics and launch angles. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> These kids, like this game, in, in my opinion, this is the way I think about it, and a lot of guys hate, hate me on this. This game has been played for over 120 years. Until the last, what happened was steroids got into the game. It changed the game that way. We came out of the steroid era. Now they're like, how can I, well, what's the advantage I can get? I get it. I understand you want the advantage. At the end of the day, the only advantage I think is worthy of anything is your mindset and your work ethic. Those two things are sustainable. 
yeah, predictable, sustainable on a daily basis. And I would add one other element that you always brought to competition. You brought a joyful toughness. It was, it was like you were happy to be there and you were going to find a way to compete to the best of your ability, even when something wasn't feeling 100% right with you physically. I, I remember a basketball tournament. This was probably when you were about 16 years old. You came over to the side and I took a look at your finger and it was pointing off in some direction that it definitely wasn't supposed to point. That was every bit of willpower I could muster to hide the horror on my face when I looked at your finger. And you just calmly, you came over and calmly said, I think something's wrong with my finger, coach. But you want to keep hold playing. On. Yeah, so we just cut out for a half second. So okay. go back, go back and relive this because this is a good story. I like this story. I think it was, were you about 16 years old at the time? Does that sound about right? Uh, we were younger than that. I wasn't even in high school yet. Oh, okay. 12 or probably 14. All right. It was the flame. That's right. We're playing in a basketball tournament and you calmly walk over to the bench and say, coach, uh, I think something might be wrong with my finger. I take a look at your finger and it's pointed off in some cockeyed direction that obviously something was very wrong with your hand and it was every bit of willpower I could muster to keep from having a horrified expression on my face when I glanced at it. Yeah. But I think you wanted to just keep playing with it. As a dislocated thumb, it happens. Yeah, it did not look good. Yeah. So uh, basically what, what had happened was I dislocated my thumb. Uh, I wanted to get it popped back in so I could keep playing. When I was in double-A Erie, I slid into third base and dislocated my other thumb. Oh, my. I went first to third, dislocated. It wasn't the same thumb on the big joint uh, on my right hand. I'm a left-handed thrower. As an outfielder, That how's that going to stop me, right? So what I did was I went into the dugout. The trainer looked at it, and he's like, we got to take you to the hospital. I said, no, I don't think so. And I, <laughs> I grabbed it, and I said, pull on it as hard as you can. And he pulled on it, and I pushed on it. And we knocked that back right back into place for about a month, about a half a month. It hurt really, really bad when I caught the baseball and when I swung the baseball bat. But to my surprise, and this is something that I think is very beneficial to young kids. I had one of the best weeks of my life hitting for (laughs) average because I wasn't trying to do too much. I was just trying to make solid contact. I was just trying to do the right thing with the baseball. I wasn't trying to manipulate the baseball. My bats were very, very focused on make solid contact. How can I do that that day? That is the joyful toughness that sets you apart from almost everybody else. You, you had that attitude of if the bone isn't sticking out of the skin and I know what city I'm in, I'm okay. I'm going to find a way to keep competing. And it, it, to be honest, it helped me. It helped me to the point of I'm not trying to do too much. Because like you said earlier, kids, you want to get caught up in hitting the home run or you want to get caught up in being the flashy player that throws the ball behind their back to turn a double play, right? We Everybody wants that for themselves. They want to be on ESPN. The people who really succeed, not only in baseball but in life, are the people who understand that I had an adversity and how do I make the best of it? And then it actually makes me better than I was before. 
isn't that amazing the way things work out? It is. And just like with my life now, like a lot of people are like, oh, that's so bad. It's so, so tough that, that you can't uh, play baseball anymore and this and that. And I'm like, I'm doing things now with my life that I am lucky to do because my baseball career is no longer. Well, and when Deacon is ready, you're going to be a great coach for him <laughs> for Madison as well. That's right. Dan, I appreciate your time. Give us one last. So talk to the parents right now. This is you and the parents. What's one last thought, one last thing, little tidbit? You've been through it. You've seen your athletes raise from young ages, go on to be successful in their careers and do amazing things. I think you're a uh, uh, – the kind of guy that everybody should learn from. And you're always trying to learn. I know that. So that's why I think it's, it's, it's imperative. What's one thing you can tell the, the parents out there right now that be, have kids who are trying to do it? Always be proud of your son or daughter, regardless of how things turned out on the field or the court or the track or the course that particular day. And I would encourage every parent as you're getting in the car to take them to a practice or take them to a game or take them to a workout, just go ahead and tell them it's a great day for whatever sport it is, whether it's baseball or basketball or football or golf or tennis or track or lifting weights, it's a great day to do it. And usually they'll approach things with the right attitude. Love it. Everything about you, Dan is good. Uh, obviously, I think the people out there uh, needed a little bit of your encouragement, your positive attitude. Some people are going to say it's fake and be haters, but overall we love haters because haters make us understand that what we're doing is, is important. Well, and all the people and, come back and visit us. You know, we went on that trip down to the salt mine here in Hutchinson, Kansas, a few that's years right. back. They, they've yep. been asking for you. <laughs> yeah. We were miners for a day. All right, cool, right. Dan. You know I love you, buddy. Anything you need, let me know. Thank you so much for being on the show. Keep up the good work, Andy. You got it. Later.